Welcome to episode number 43, Hope, period, question mark, exclamation point. Now this week's podcast is about hope. In the end, I hope that you can see value in your illness and in some ways accept it as a blessing of mortality. Now I ended that last sentence with the same way as I have ended the title of the episode with a period, a question mark, and an exclamation point. How you see hope might change the way you end that sentence and so much more about this episode. So as you listen today, think about how you end your sentences when you talk about your illness. Now, I realize that I have a tendency, not just in this podcast, in general, to be less than hopeful when I talk about mental illness. For me, like for most people who suffer, it has been a difficult experience that often does not ring of a hopeful message. While I have mentioned it a few times in past episodes, I have yet to focus on the hope and mental illness. I know that the two words don't sound like they really belong together. After all, mental illness does, for the most part, drain the mind and body of hope. I think that it's natural for us to focus on the difficulties and not the many blessings of mental illness. The problems seem to fill the mountains and obscure that small measure of benefit and maybe not so small measure of benefit that we receive. Now, the hope of the gospel is that we will allow ourselves to be sufficiently trained so as to become like our Father in heaven is. If we boil the gospel down to its intent and the desire of our Father in heaven and the God of the universe to bring to pass the immortality and eternal life of every man and woman, then we can see hope even in mental illness. Hope that our suffering will produce the desired lasting results. Hope that our illness will eventually bring a lasting peace. Hope that we are truly not alone in our lives. And hope that somewhere in the process of dealing with this disease, we become more like our Father in Heaven. And that somewhere close is that angel, a Savior, a Father, and maybe all of the above, who are monitoring what is going on, making sure that things they aren't getting out of hand, that somehow everything we are passing through was just part of the design of heaven to get us back there. I recently came across a quote on Facebook that I'd seen several times before from President Nelson. Now, I note it from his Facebook posting from his own official page, September 10th, 2019. The third bullet point of this quote states the following, you were taught in the spirit world to prepare you for anything and everything you would encounter during this latter part of these latter days. That teaching endures within you. Now this, of course, follows the same intent of Doctrine and Covenants 138.56, where similar revelation is found. I find great hope for mental illness in this statement. While the world wants to think that illness is random, just a cross-wired genetic problem, or the result of a traumatic experience, the prophet would probably state just the opposite. What we have in our lives was planned, and it was planned with a purpose in mind. Not only was it planned, but we received some measure of training and experiences to aid us when these mental difficulties would arise. Do I know exactly what took place to allow for us to be trained? Did we understand that we were being trained to have a mental illness, or were were we just put through the training process without much understanding as to why? The truth is, we don't know much about the details that took place during the pre-mortal life. The Lord has taken care not to reveal too much concerning our lives before this earth. 
we really don't even have an explanation as to why not much is known. We, did, we don't even understand the veil in any real sense. Now, it obviously blocks out facts, figures, experiences, memories of the pre-mortal world. But given the quote by the prophet, not everything's blocked out. We do not have access to physical memory, but it seems that our experiences in the pre-mortal world became such a part of us that they could not be veiled. That probably makes good sense in that our experiences in this world seem to make us who we are as a person. The things that we do know are that we had celestial parentage and that they taught us everything concerning their journey to celestial life. We had explicit agency to do and believe what we desired. We lived with our parents until joining the throngs of spiritual life that would become this world. And we know that life, all life, was created first spiritually then physically. It appears from some words in Abraham chapter 3 that we were given agency and were tested to see if we would do everything that the Lord commanded before this life. Now, Lucifer and his angels are a testament to the judgment that occurred before we came to this earth. Judgment implies and requires agency, a redeemer, testing, laws, and commandments. While there is no explanation, it appears that a great testing and sifting occurred before this earth life. We don't know much about it except to say that one-third of the host of heaven lost the privilege of a mortal and then immortal body, which is actually the most serious punishment God the Father can afford his children. Now, given the harsh nature of the punishment, it is not difficult to understand that we very likely had great knowledge. For with great knowledge comes great responsibility and also great punishment of, of the laws and commandments that are broken. Now, one-third of the host of heaven also teaches some important concepts about the pre-mortal life. We had agency to sin and make mistakes, and we had agency to repent. We had the ability to obtain significant knowledge about celestial life in general and about our parents' experiences in mortality. I would say that the Lord probably didn't hold back much when it came to our education. For the more we knew about mortality and what would come, the better our chances would be of returning to him. So we were taught those lessons in the pre-mortal world that would help us in general and actually specifically. We were not all going to come to this earth and have the exact same experience, as salvation is really individual and we each needed different trials and developmental experiences. While it has always seemed strange to me that children of celestial parentage could vary so significantly when it comes to agency, truth, spirituality, and receptiveness to spiritual matters— Seeing the current condition of mortality, I have often pondered how so many of our father's children could be lost in the sense of salvation and exaltation given who their parents are. I really don't have any other explanation in regards to the loss of the one-third and the seeming wide variation of spirits on earth now except to believe that we came from the spirit world that way. And so we must have chosen by our experiences, belief, truth, and spiritual development, what we would become even before this earth. There were actually even many spirits that proved themselves celestial before this earth life and actually became those pure children who die before the age of accountability. They had to prove themselves worthy of celestial life, just as we do, but they appear to have accomplished it before coming to this earth. So what does all of this have to do with hope? It appears from what little we know that we were fully accountable spiritual adults 
before we began to rejoice about our assignment to this earth. What we learned was both a generalized spiritual concepts and the doctrine down to the very specific problems each of us would face as we entered mortality. We were prepared for our lives, mortality, and all that that would bring. That, to me, brings great hope to my illness. The Lord knew specifically the mortal physical trials I needed to be selected for further training and ultimately exaltation. Nothing was left out of my training, except for maybe the fact that I didn't learn everything that I should have. But I think even that was taken into account as we left to accomplish our short mission in mortality. With that understanding, I have a great hope that I have been prepared for exaltation in only a manner that an omniscient God could provide. And that makes sense. And that makes, well, sense in being able to find my way through a darkened path of mental illness much easier, in the sense of purpose, anyway. Our Father did not intend for my illness or your illness or anyone's illness to condemn them, to condemn us to celestial life. And in fact, it is quite the opposite. Our Father gave us weaknesses so that we could develop in ways that could not be experienced otherwise. Along with the weaknesses, he provided for mercy, knowing that our path would be fraught with what we would think are surprises and mistakes. He knew that if someone were to experience a mental illness, that spiritual pathways would darken and difficult moments would arise that would cause us to even question his existence. And he prepared us for even the darkest of moments when the destroyer seems to have his way in our lives. What this preparation looks like, or what it looked like in the past, I really don't know. But I know that I have access to it. I have asked, and I have actually felt it in my own life. I felt it when I came near to suicide, and I felt it over and over again as I have prayed for relief. It's not always the same feeling or experience. Sometimes, rather than strengthening me, others are brought in to help. Does that knowledge help me when I'm suffering the effects of my depression? In some ways, it really does for me. It doesn't reduce my suffering, but it gives the suffering far more meaning. It gives me great hope that I can ask for help knowing that the Lord has already prepared me for what I am passing through and what I will pass through. It gives me direction and purpose to what I'm experiencing. So rather than raise my fist to the sky and question why, I can kneel and ask for help that is available. While we do have those experiences and knowledge that will provide, that will provide for us, it is still necessary to ask the Lord to bring those gifts to our aid. Even with an understanding that we were given everything we need, it doesn't mean that we don't need to ask for it. So what do I ask for? I ask for relief from the effects. But I almost always preface my desires with the intent and the desire that I don't want the Lord to remove trials from me that would be a benefit to me in the eternities. So I hope that I will be healed, but I accept whatever the Lord gives me. To have the Lord watching over me, along with other ancestors, I have great hope and comfort that, one, I'm not alone, and two, I have access to great knowledge, hope, charity, love, and all the gifts of the Spirit to aid me in my progress. I found over time that my illness has brought me great blessings, even, it, even as it has limited my spiritual development at times. I've had to work for spiritual development harder than many even though the comparison is probably not the correct way to express it. I have become far more attentive to feelings of others and discerning 
there are concerns in life. I've found that part of why I have a mental illness is to drive me to develop those spiritual gifts in my life. Without the illness, I would likely never have developed some of the skills mentally and spiritually that I now have. Could I see myself developing these wonderful attributes while in the while in depressed, a rage depression or in the clouded highs? No, I could not see the development of myself, and I often pleaded for those episodes to be removed. But if the Lord would have removed the illness or the resistance to spiritual development, I would not likely have developed my spirituality to the extent I feel I have. Just like strength training, to get stronger, you must have resistance, opposition. If you want to develop spiritual muscles where Lucifer cannot penetrate, then you need great resistance in the development. Having the illness is somewhat like running stairs in a stadium rather than running on a level track. Now, both have resistance, but the stairs resistance is far greater and will cause the muscles to develop to a greater extent. Do I like or do we like running the stands and the stairs when the pavement and level track is visible? I'm not so sure that we do unless we understand why we're doing it. Without the why, the stairs seem like a strange alternative to a level track. We do understand, at least in principle, that the more difficult the path, the stronger we become. But when mental illness comes calling and changes our reality, the level track or even a seat in the stands seems far more reasonable than running the stairs. I think that one of the most important things about hope is that we know that our Father in Heaven and Savior understand our difficulties perfectly. With our understanding of their knowledge and experience, we have hope that the Lord will know how best to address our injuries, sorrows, and concerns. It is this hope that keeps me going to church, reading scriptures, attending the temple, and my ancestors, even when my whole world wants me just to probably stay in bed. With my effort, I expect the Lord will put in his effort. And together we can walk through the problem. I will admit that during those moments of depression, Doubt looms large, and with it comes questions, and then also a lack of desire. Questions and desire are critical when it comes to gospel living and learning. But doubt has its way of tearing apart the very fabric of spiritual experiences and moments even to the level of the molecule. Doubt is really the antithesis of hope, and mental illness is full of doubt and anxiety. So how do we obtain hope during an episode of doubtful emotions? I wish I could say that every time I prayed to the Lord, my desires were immediately answered, and a hopeful attitude came upon my body. I found at times that I have received such a blessing, and at other times, I felt nothing. I don't think that it wasn't the Lord doing his part. I believe that we just don't often see everything the Lord is doing, and our hope rests on a particular outcome. When we focus only on one outcome, we become blinded to the other possibilities, and we don't see the Lord's hand in our lives. Now, how do I build hope while suffering mental illness? I'm, I myself ask that those lessons taught so long ago before the earth might be available to me. I pray for relief in any manner the Lord sees fit. I attempt to see my experience more about spiritual strength, i.e. running the stairs rather than the track. Most of all, I do what I can to keep the Lord in my life no matter how small that little flickering flame might be at the time. So what am I asking? What am I looking for when I ask for relief? Certainly I am asking for relief from the symptoms, but if I expand my view just a little, what I am asking for more than relief 
is to understand that someone knows and cares about me and that I am not alone. That one day running the stairs will finally serve its purpose and end. Not that I wouldn't run the stairs anymore, but that I would move on to more difficult tasks to further strengthen my abilities. Perspective is everything and is for each of us, it is our own reality. The way we perceive our world and our place in it determines how we will act and what we understand to be true. Our perspective of life's trials and troubles can in many ways bring great hope even under the most difficult of circumstances. I found great strength and hope in my illness. Not that I wanted to continue for even a moment longer than I needed to, but I have come, under, have come to understand the truth and the reality behind mental illness as a tool for the Lord to use to strengthen the flock. Sometimes I admit in my limited mortal knowledge that the Lord's approach in using mental illness feels a little backwards. But logically, it does make sense. Without resistance, there is no growth. We need increasing amounts of resistance so we can become far stronger in the gospel. Certainly, mental illness is only one way to accomplish this resistance, and I am sure that there exists a fair number of methods that the Lord uses. Now, why my resistance has to be this illness, I'm not sure. But I do trust the Lord's judgment. For him, there is no veil. He can see far more clearly the path that is needed for me, and for me, I say that's sufficient. Someday, I probably will have a good answer, and I'm likely to agree with it, even if I don't while well, I'm in the middle of a depression. So in the end, what really matters is that we really fight and do our part, and then expect the Lord will do his. Until next time.